So we're in this series through the book of Psalms, as you know, and we're just walking psalm through psalm through psalm. And last week we hit Psalm 20, which means this week is Psalm 21. There's really nothing complicated about the way we're doing this. So Psalm 20 was a royal psalm. I don't mean like a big psalm. I mean like it was a psalm dedicated to the king of Israel. These royal psalms are throughout the book of Psalms, and they all deal with the theme of God's relationship with the King of Israel, His anointed one. And in Psalm 20, we saw that the people are singing, praying about the King. They're they're praying on the King's behalf. And so, just as a quick summary of what we saw in Psalm 20, because it's going to set the stage for where we go in Psalm 21, this is what we mentioned last week. Here's what we saw in Psalm 20. The people were asking God, to hear the prayers of the king, to protect him, to send him help and support, to accept his sacrifices of worship. I mean, the people are praying on behalf of the king. And then what we see at at that point is that the people actually, like they see victory coming. The people have prayed for the king. Victory is coming for the king. Hasn't yet been fulfilled, but they see it on the horizon. And what we noted was that the people have intimately tied their fate with the fate of the king. And so we summarized that, that this big point about the people linking themselves with the king this way. So this is an important point we brought out last week. That the hope and the faith of the people are tied up with the life of their king, God's anointed one. That means that the king's victory is their victory. And so it should be no surprise that the way Psalm 20 ends is with this verse. Here's how the whole thing ends. Verse 9, Lord, give victory to the king. Answer us when we call. They they are crying out for victory. They can see victory on the horizon. They are intimately tied with the identity of the king. His victory, their victory. And they end the song by asking God, give our king the victory. Now, the thing that we're left wondering if we're, if we're reading it like a story is, what happened? Did the king get the victory? The answer is in Psalm 21. So Psalm 21 is linked up with Psalm 20. Literally, these two come together. One commentator says it this way. Here's, here's how he explains the link between these two psalms. Psalm 20 was the prayer before the king's departure for battle. Psalm 21 is the thanksgiving upon his return. And so Psalm 21 is the response of the people as the king has come back. And we see all the good things that have happened. Psalm 21. If you have a Bible with you, you can pick up with me. Now we've kind of had the context set to understand how Psalm 21 fits into the larger context. uh, Matched up with Psalm 20. We pick up Psalm 21. We'll read the whole thing. These 13 verses. We pick up with verse 1. The king rejoices in your strength, Lord. How great is his joy in the victories you give. You have granted him his heart's desire. You have not withheld the request of his lips. You came to greet him with rich blessings and you placed a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked you for life and you gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. Through the victories you gave, his glory is great. You have bestowed on him splendor and majesty. Surely you have granted him unending blessings and made him glad with the joy of your presence. 
For the king trusts in the Lord through the unfailing love of the Most High. He will not be shaken. Your hand will lay hold of your enemies. Your right hand will seize your foes. When you appear for battle, you will burn them up as in a blazing furnace. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath and his fire will consume them. You will destroy their descendants from the earth, their their posterity from mankind. Though they plot evil against you and devise wicked schemes, they cannot succeed. You will make them turn their backs when you aim at them with drawn bow. Be exalted in your strength, Lord. We will sing and praise your might. That's the people's response. And it really breaks out into two Two big sections. There's this front section. The first half is all about all the good things God has given the king. The king has returned. The king has brought a report. What has happened? Only good things have come to the king. And then the second half of the psalm is all about how God has brought judgment on his enemies. So here are all the good things that have come to the king, and here's God's judgment against his enemies. And so we break those out, and we just take a look at both those sections of the psalm. First being all the good things that God has given the king. The people have prayed in Psalm 20. Would you bless the king in Psalm 21? Yes, God has blessed the king. And in what way has he blessed the king? Take a look. I've just highlighted all the things the king has received. Victories, rich blessings, crown of pure gold, life, length of days forever and ever. Glory, splendor and majesty, unending blessings, the joy of your presence. Those are all the things the king has got. That's a lot of good stuff coming from the hand of the Lord. Those things from those six verses get summarized with one big Hebrew word in verse 7. All of it, all of it gets summarized as the people declare here all the good things God has given the king. The king trusts in God because of all these good things and they all, they all put on display this one thing from God. Take a look, verse 7. It all gets summarized here. For the king trusts in the Lord Through the unfailing love of the Most High, he will not be shaken. All of those things, his splendor and glory and blessings, length of days, all of it is a display of God's unfailing love. It is is this unfailing love that has just commanded these good things to come to his anointed one, the King. And right there, right there behind our English translation, unfailing love, is the Hebrew word, hesed. There's the Hebrew word hesed again. We've noted this word multiple times up to this point. This is one of the most used Hebrew words to describe the character of God. It is the word that describes God as unshakable, unflinching, stable. God's love does not give up on his people. He will hang with his people even when they do not hang with him. It is his hesed. It is Hesed. It is one of the largest Hebrew words in the Old Testament. It is a defining character of God. His Hesed. It is His covenant love. It is unfailing. And so, and so God says, says it is out of His Hesed that He has given all of these good things to His anointed one, His King. But the challenge of all those good things is that David never fully experienced all of those things. You see, all of those good things described in verses 1 through 6, all these things that flow out of God's hesed, this covenant love, will they point beyond David? Let me just just note one place where we can see that very clearly. Just take a look back into verse 4. 
verse 4, and I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. The people cry back out to God. This is the response. We're in Psalm 21 still. He asked you to preserve his life. You granted his request. The days of his life stretch on forever. The problem with that verse, as it might apply to David, is David died. David's days did not stretch on forever. Take a look at Psalm 16. Let's pull in Psalm 16 now. You'll notice this happened uh, once before Psalm 16 where David writes, Therefore my heart is glad, my tongue rejoices, my body also will rest secure, because you will, look at what he says, you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. The problem there, just as it is in Psalm 21 verse 4, is that David did die. David was buried. His body did decay. By inspiration, David is actually writing, not about himself, but by a king, another king coming. But that king, his days will stretch on forever and ever. His body will not see decay. And so here, Psalm 21 does what Psalm 20 does. We noted this last week, it does what Psalm 16 does. It does what so many of the Psalms do. It actually does what the whole Old Testament does. Psalm 21 points. To Jesus. All of those psalms are pointing to Jesus. He's the one that ultimately fulfills and experiences all of those good things from the hand of his father. His father who overflows with hesed for his son. T- take a look. I want to summarize it this way. Here's I just want to summarize what I just said. These psalms, and we're taking it into account here, Psalm 21, point forward to Jesus who is the true, is the final king of Israel. He experiences all the good things described in those six verses there in Psalm 21. Right? Six verses. Let me take one of them. Just let me take one of the verses, okay? Take a look at this one. This is one of the more clear examples. Verse 5. Through the victories you gave us, His glory is great. You have bestowed on Him splendor and majesty. Victory, glory, splendor, majesty. No doubt David had some of that, but he never had it in full. Jesus did. Jesus, the final and perfect king. When he comes in the world, he goes to the cross. He dies for the sins of his people. He is resurrected, ascends to heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father. He receives all of those things. And guess what we're going to be singing about forever and ever and ever? It will be those things as it relates to Jesus. If you don't believe me, I'm just getting it from the Bible. I'm just getting this from the Bible, not making it up. So when John, the Apostle John, sees a vision of heaven, here's what he sees. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 through 13. Take a look at what he sees. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels. They were numbering thousands upon thousands, tens thousands times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then they heard every then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all and, and that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And so I think we could just say it like this. Every good thing all those good things found in those front six verses of Psalm 21, every good thing is found in Jesus. Every good thing. You think you got a good thing? It's found in Jesus. 
every good thing is going to be found in Jesus. It is and it will be forever and ever. Now the flip side of that is if everything is good is found in Jesus, then everything outside of Christ will receive death and punishment and judgment. In Christ, all good things, all things fulfilled, all good things outside of Him, all things that are bad. That's the flip side. And that's the second half of Psalm 21, because if you're not with the King, then you're under God's judgment. Take a look, just as a reminder, verse 9 and 11, Psalm 21. When you appear in battle, the king appears in battle, you burn them up as in a blazing furnace. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath, and his fire will consume them. Though they plot evil against you and devise wicked schemes, they can't succeed. That's the nature. If you're not with the king, you're under judgment. All good things are with the king, so when you're not with the king... You receive everything the opposite of good. It will be his wrath, judgment. Here in Psalm 21, David's hyperlinking back to Psalm 2. If you remember Psalm 2, you have the kings of the earth in rebellion against God. And God says, I'll answer their rebellion. And he establishes his anointed one, the king, who he also calls my son. He establishes the throne of his son and he brings justice to the earth. And Psalm 2 ends by describing what happens to all those who don't get linked up, connected, bring their loyalty to that anointed one, the king. It's Psalm 21. Psalm 21 is hyperlinking back right here to what we saw at the beginning of the book of Psalms. Check it out. Psalm 2. Psalm 2, verse 10 and 12. This is the end of Psalm 2. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Celebrate His rule with trembling. Kiss His Son, for He will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. For His wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. It has everything to do with the relationship you have with the King. If you're with the King, you get all good things thrown in. If you rebel against the king, you get all of his judgment, and God will bring his vengeance against his enemies. These are really the two categories. These are the two categories that the world breaks into. You are with the king, or you are against the king. This isn't just in the book of Psalms. This is throughout the scriptures. Paul makes it very clear. This is one of those passages we don't like to read. sounds real judgy, but it is. Here it is, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Here's how Paul describes the scene. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people, And be marveled at among all those who have believed. Jesus is coming back. And the full extent of all those good things described in Psalm 21, 1-6, His splendor, His glory, His victories, all of that will be on display. And for those who do not know Christ and have never come to Him through the Gospel, there will be judgment. Now that might sound mean, right? Like, that just sounds mean. Sounds kind of fire and brimstone-like. Like, just, just, what good God would do that? It is like breaking a branch off a tree that then withers and dies. There's nothing mean about 
a tree not having nourishment. It's just a fact. If you don't give a tree nourishment, if a branch falls off and no longer has nourishment from the root, it dies. The reality is, this is not God being mean. This is God dealing with what is real. If you are not connected to the source of life, you die. And there are all kinds of words used in the Bible to describe that death. Wrath and judgment and punishment. Shut out from His glory. This is not God being mean. This is God dealing with the way things really are. You are either with the King, in whom are all good things, or you are against Him, and there is death and wrath and punishment. That's the way this whole thing falls out. That's the way the lines fall. Psalm 21 brings that description. As the people sing in response, the King has all victories, glory and splendor. And for everyone against Him, there is judgment and they will be cast out. That's the way the thing breaks out. That's Psalm 21 right there. And it drives us to Jesus. So what in the world kind of application would we make on that? Okay, so if, if, I think if we're going to get this psalm down on the ground where you and I live, I think there are two things going on. I think there's a challenge. I think there's a challenge. And I hope there's an encouragement. Okay? And I'm going to try to pull a next step that brings both of those together that will convict all of us. You ready? Here we go. Challenge. Here's the challenge. Man, this got under my skin. Yeah, I don't know what just happened. I think the computer said a heart attack. Okay, here we go. All right. <laughs> yeah, for Second Thessalonians 1, Hellfire and Brimstone, there's your challenge. Um, okay, here it is. Here's the question I'm asking myself. And man, this one... This one's been tough for me as I've just, it's been marinating in my mind and heart. Do I really act like Jesus is king in my everyday life? Now, I get it. Sounds a bit churchy right off the gate, out of the gate. What I'm not going for here is, what do you say about Jesus? I am sure most of us in this room say Jesus is Lord. I'm just, I'm going to go with the guest there that that's probably what all of us are saying. But if someone never heard you talk, but only watched you live, who would they say you are? Who would they say you think the king is? And to be honest, sometimes I know if someone came in and watched my life, they would say the king of the world is Jason Yates. That's who the king of the world is. At least he thinks they are, that he is. Like, like I have a propensity, a tendency in my own heart, and I imagine you do too, to think you're the center of the universe. So we've got to really be challenged on this. Who do you think Jesus is? Do you really think he's king? And actually, do you live that way? Like, do you walk around understanding that no matter what Vladimir Putin does in the world, he's not king? And no matter where documents show up from a president, he's not king. I, I could keep going with lots of different examples. You get this, right? Just trying to make some. I'm just trying to connect with you. We're just trying to connect. The point is, do you and I walk around literally with the, with, the, like, with the awareness that literally right now at 942, got to finish soon, 942, Jesus is king. Right now. Like he's king of the world. Okay. Like do I live that way? And the king's watching. Ugh. This is a challenge for me. Like I just... Okay, so I say Jesus is king, but like, what does my life look like? So this is a call to like a different kind of life. Because if Jesus was literally standing by me all the time, I guarantee you I would live a little different. It'd be uncomfortable at times. Okay. Here's the encouragement. It's this. 
in the end, King Jesus wins. And everything will be turned to good in him. So what this means is that miscarriages, all the pain and all the mourning, God's going to make it right. I have no idea how he's going to do it. But you can guarantee he's going to make that pain right. And I can guarantee you the loss of a loved one too early in life, God's going to make that right. I don't know how he's going to do it, but for everyone that believes, he's going to make that right. I don't know how losing a job, how that can in any way turn out to be good, but God can make it good. So the point is, is that you and I don't give up on God. He's not given up on us. His hested love will not give up on us. And he guarantees the king wins, which means everything gets turned to our good if you're with the king. Which means you and I can wake up and make our bed and eat breakfast and go on with tomorrow. Not because everything's right and everything feels good. It's because the king's going to win. And so you get a, we get a vision for the horizon and we know our king wins. So here's the promise. Listen, you've heard me read it multiple times, but I, there's not a better verse. Romans 8.28, take this one to the bank. It's because Jesus wins that you can, and I can say we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Everything's going to be turned to good. Cancer diagnosis, heart attacks, chronic pain, all of it for good for those who love him. So the encouragement is this. If something is really sucky in your life, keep going. Do what you need to do today and wake up tomorrow because God's not giving up. Like you just, I mean, it, it's not going to make everything better. You're not going to feel better. Like that's, God doesn't promise a magic pill to make you feel better right now. But the day's coming when you will. So you just keep going. The call to the Christian is you endure and be patient. The King is coming in the fullness of His victory. Be patient. All right. So don't put up the next step. Let me just lay the runway. So when I think about when I, I'm trying to think of a way to bring the challenge and the encouragement together in something you and I can do this week. And I'm thinking, well, what's the, what's like, what are those things in my life and maybe through the life of God's people that has really uh, thrown them against the rocks? And I think just recently, if you're reading in the Bible plan with us, the people of God have come out of Egypt. And do you know what they do once they get out of Egypt? One of the first things they start doing, they start complaining. They start complaining. They were in slavery, hard labor, and all of a sudden they get in the wilderness and they think they were eating prime rib back in Egypt. And they're like, God, why have you done this? Why have you placed us here? And they start complaining. Complaining did two things to them. Complaining caused them to, to begin to uh, break away from the life of the, their God that had just saved them. Like literally it starts to form them in the likeness of themselves, not in the likeness of of God, not in the holiness of God. It pulls them away from holiness. It, the way we might say it is it would, it made them, it, it, they, they started to become the shape of the world. They, they stopped looking like Jesus. Complaining has a way of doing that, right? Like when you start complaining, you become the center of the universe. Then all of a sudden you stop looking more and more like Jesus. The other thing is that when the people started complaining, they they, they cut off their vision from what God was, where God was taking them. Does that make sense? Like, they, they all of a sudden thought that the end was the wilderness, and God said, I'm bringing you into the promised land. But they started complaining, so they stopped looking like Jesus, and they lost their vision 
of God's full victory in the promised land. So I thought, man, one way that I can train myself to look more like Jesus and have more hope for this victory coming when all things are made good, even when life sucks. I said sucks. We've been doing this for almost four years. We're okay. Um, some of you are new and you're like, the preacher just said sucks. Yes. Yes, I did. Because it's biblical somewhere. There's a Hebrew word. Okay? All right. So, so it's this. Listen, it's this. So I, I'm, I'm going to bring these two together like this. Here you go. I don't like this next step, and I know Tess is going to keep me to it. Here we go. You ready? Choose one. Wait, what, wait, what? I feel like Ethan's doing it on purpose. He's like learning how to do the slides, and he's messing with me. Choose one thing you complain about regularly and decide each day this week not to complain about it, but you pray about it. Good luck. So that coworker you don't like, that coworker that's not doing their job, that family member that you can't stand or they're being annoying, whatever, pick it. I don't know what you're going to, but I know you all complain about something. Don't complain. For the rest of the day, don't you complain about it. It can't come out of your mouth. Okay? And you've got to pray that God will take care of it. Like you're literally, God, this stinks. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. And so two things are happening there. You're becoming more like Jesus because you're not going to complain all the time to make yourself the center of the universe. The other thing that's happening is you are praying knowing at the end of the day, God's going to make it good. So don't complain. This does not mean, my goal here is not, by the time you get to next Sunday, whew, that week's done. I'm back to complaining about that thing. Like, I mean, I'm saying next week, you get it. Like, let's try to extend that well beyond. But I know some of you legalists, you're like, all right, I'll give you a week. But then I'm going to have a week's worth of complaints. Um, no, like, you get it. Like, let's, let's train ourselves to stop complaining. Just one thing. Don't do a marathon. And let God do work inside of our heart. It'll build hope. And it'll build holiness. And it'll tie us closer to the King. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your work how it trains us. So would you help us now? There are things we do not like about our life, and yet we trust that all of it will be made good because we are tied up with Jesus, the King, with victory and all the glory and all the splendor. Go with us now into the week. Thank you for your psalms and all of your word. We pray in the name of Jesus, our victorious King, and together we say, Amen.